Welcome to Mindfulness Mindfulness, where we address everyday issues that might benefit from a little more mindfulness without taking it all too seriously. Hi, everyone. I'm Donna Lipman. I'm Lily Parrish. And today we have a very special guest. Our guest is Melanie Colpart. And I've known Melanie for about oh, just over a year now. And I met Melanie at the Center for Spiritual Living, Central Texas, where she is one of two ministers. And she just speaks to my heart. And uh, Lily, you've also mm-hmm. been to the center and participated in, in many of the activities. And what I love about Melanie is her ability to engage the audience in um, in spirituality with her enthusiasm and her beautiful stories, always bringing light to uh, each one of us. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. It's my pleasure. <laughs> I think Melanie really exemplifies everyday mindfulness. Mm-hmm. A lot of her sermons is that the right word i i like to call them talks talks i'm just just talking (laughs) (laughs) a lot of melanie's talks are very associable and easy to connect with she talks a lot about walking the dog (laughs) which is one of my mindfulness practices um and that has made it just so easy, like I said, to connect with and to feel like, wow, this is a a person who I see as a spiritual teacher who's very friendly and on my level (laughs) and way above me in many ways too. So we wanted to do an episode about everyday mindfulness and Melanie was the obvious choice. Um, So yeah, from me, thank you so much for being here. Great. (laughs) All right. So what should we start with? I I think maybe a little bit of background about how you came to um, being at the Center for Spiritual Living in Central Texas and and what what just speaks to your heart. I, as a young person, I'm really young still, as those of you can't see me, maybe, yes. yes. (laughs) So it wasn't that long ago. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I really was always, um, I liked to go to a place where I could um, quiet down. And for me at the time was church. Uh, It's not so much church anymore. I mean, it is church. I like to go to our center. I love to go to <laughs> but um, I I did not always have a really calm environment where I grew up, and when I went on Sundays with my mother uh, to this beautiful place, I thought, oh gosh, I can think here, I can be quiet here, I can see what 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 I'm thinking about and why I might be disturbed or or whatever about it, and uh, that was young. I just, I liked it so much as I grew up. I was the only one of my friends. I was actually also not, and I was one of my, the only one of my siblings who wanted to do something spiritual and read about something. I think in college, one of the first um, classes that I signed up for was um science, uh, the science of religion. Wow, how cool. I, I liked it. Wow. What kind we of, wouldn't have anything available yeah. to us like that. I know. What kind of college did you go to? Was it uh, traditional college? or? Yeah, yes. Very cool. And I didn't have a major because I, you know, I didn't have one yet. It's so interesting that as a child, you would have chosen to... You know, be in a place like church because you knew that you could be calm there. Because I can relate, my home experience wasn't very calm either growing up, but my uh, place of choice was numbness. Mm-hmm. And it never even occurred to me. I mean, we did go to church, a Baptist church, and it was one of those hellfire and damnation churches, and it scared the heck out of me. <laughs> so, uh, the experience may have been very similar, you know, with not having a little bit of chaos going on at home, but the the uh, reactions were different. 
So yeah. I'm glad you had that reaction. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. So you studied it? You just decide to study it in college? Uh, studied a little bit of it and then went back. I actually dropped out of college. Mm-hmm. That was good. <laughs> or not. <laughs> and there was a little more chaos. However, I began classes, uh, classes in theology and spirituality. And I was told that I would never be a meditator and I could never really calm down enough to be, um, I, I don't know, spiritual. Uh, by one or two teachers, I disagreed with them. And I, so it became for me a challenge. Like, a, I'll show them. Yeah. Get out of here. I, I could do this. <laughs> so it, it became a quest. I decided I was going to be a minister. Pretty much everyone in my family said, that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fine. But that was, I for me, it felt like that's my way to really get what I think I'm searching for. And it turned out that wasn't really the way. However, what it leads to when a person is seeking, and I believe that all, all of us are seeking something, mm-hmm. some meaning, some form of um, idea of, wow, why am I here and what is my purpose and what's going on? So by seeking and taking more classes, whether they are in a church or in spirituality or in just a seminar of any kind, Self-help, they used to call it, mm-hmm. or new new age. Mm-hmm. Lily and I have done a few of those. Oh yeah, <laughs> we're all about it. Yeah, <laughs> yes. And what I learned along the journey, which I've been an ordained minister now for about fifteen years, but a minister minister in my teaching for twenty. And I remember when I got the twenty-year thing, I went, "Oh my gosh, do I know anything more? Is there anything else? I mean, what does this mean?" It, what it means for me is that you, every single day of your life, you choose to notice how you're living your life. Mm. So the key word is notice. Mm. Notice and then choice. And choice. Choice is so important. I believe that there's cause and effect, and we may look around the world around our environment politically or maybe just our neighborhood uh, or what's going on physically for ourselves. And we say, whoa, what is, is this an effect? And what may have caused it? Or how, how am I best able to um, acknowledge this and choose to move, move forward? Mm. What kind of tools do you use to notice? It's mental for me. It, it's it's physical. If I'm if it's okay. Huh. Great question. Thank you. Back up. <laughs> it's first mental and then I say, "Whoa, I just I had a first thought and my first thought was what a dumb person I am or what a dumb thing just happened." Or, I cannot believe that that's going on. That's my first thought. So mentally, I go, wow, I can choose my second thought. So my second thought, I, it's called a new mental equivalent for me. That's my term. I learned it from many teachers. But you grab your first thought and say, wow, that was not so positive. That's not really going to move me forward and make me calm and make me mindful so I'm going to choose a second thought. So say I get a phone call and someone's not kind to me on the phone and I, I hang up the phone and go, that's not okay. First thought, what a bummer. Second thought, how can I best address this person? How can I best feel better about myself in this relationship? So then the physical part is when I'm not healthy, when I don't feel like I'm exercising, when I don't feel like I'm doing in anything good for myself, my mind is not as sharp as mm. it can be. Yeah, so you're very connected to the to your body or 
I feel the same way. Like I, I think I learned things first in my body. Like I think I learned flexibility in life when my body was like learning to be flexible. And then I think I learned how to be strong when I really challenged myself to get physically stronger. Um, so yeah, I can definitely relate and resonate with that. I really like this because a lot of times when we're talking about mindfulness, you think that you have to sit down and be the Buddha, right? You have to clear your mind completely and take the time to meditate for an hour or two. And like Lily was saying earlier today, I don't have that time. Who has that kind of time? But this notion that you can notice and then choose your second thought is also mindfulness. Mm. It's a form of mindfulness. And if you can, I don't know, is it training yourself to notice? It's absolutely training. Because we, we just kind of go willy-nilly, right, mm -hmm. through life, and sometimes we are, are not paying that much attention. Mm -hmm. uh, there, we have a subconscious um, reaction in our mind, in our brain, and as humans, divine humans. So the subconscious is like automatically maybe we learn something as a child that when something hurts us, we act out. We react rather than think and respond. And if we're paying attention and noticing how our body feels in situations or how we're, um, how we're paying attention to things, it changes it changes it changes how literally how our every fiber of our being every cell in our body is no longer tense if we go whoa i just felt tense because of what that person said or how i felt about what that person said what is my choice where do i go now cause and effect what is my new effect that i want to experience mm, i love that i think that I love the second point about choice that you said too, or choosing, I think was the exact word that you used. Um, because I think that it is so easy to play victim to whatever situations happening in your life. And I had a kind of a challenging night last night. <laughs> I went to donate blood because I thought that would be the good Samaritan thing to do. And then my car battery died. So I was stranded at the blood bank. At, I was hungry and like, hormonal and I had just given blood and um I was really proud of myself when I was thinking back on that today because I really didn't like get reactive about it I was a little bit like well this is a not fortunate situation and I was sort of laugh or laughing at the karmic situation that I was in <laughs> but I wasn't reactive and I wasn't rude or snippy with anyone and um even when the guy came to fix my car he was like kind of clueless and I was like I don't know it was so funny and I just realized that I've been uh, becoming better at choosing to live in an optimistic state versus a pessimistic state. And it just feels really good when that starts becoming a little bit more unconscious and you're just like falling into positivity versus negativity in my case. But I'm sure there's lots of other dualities where you could choose the lighter side. Um, and yeah, it's a really powerful thing. And then I kind of think perpetual motion takes over and it just gets a little easier and a little easier each time. Mm -hmm. That wasn't a hugely damning situation. Um, well, I guess we'll have to keep putting it to the test. <laughs> <laughs> Yesterday, I, I was teaching at uh, USAA and I teach presentation skills. And part of the teaching is awareness. Because if you don't know, if you don't notice what's going on in your head, you really can't do anything about it. And you don't have the choice. And it really rang true for my students yesterday. They they got that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so correct me if I'm wrong. So the Center for Spiritual Living is based off basically Ernest Holmes' um, studies and teachings of science of mind. Am I linking this all? Yeah, that's mm -hmm. correct. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. So when did you learn about science of mind in your... In your spiritual practice, when was that introduced? Or, and also, who introduced you to it? My mother did. Oh, wonderful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, uh, my grandparents were Christian scientists, which still is around today. Yes. Christian Science Monitor. Yes, and I, <laughs> learned, I learned later in my, 
in my studies that Ernest Holmes and Mary Baker Eddy were contemporaries. Wow. So they kind of... I always of, wondered if there was a connection. And the Fillmores from Unity Church. Oh, wow. And it, it was... There's a great book, uh, Charles S. Braden, I believe. Yes, Charles Braden. It's called Spirits in Rebellion, and it is about the history of of American new religion, like mm. coming away from traditionalist mm. teachings. That sounds wonderful. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to go back to the the daily, the mindfulness, mm-hmm. to, just to say that one thing I learned, however many years ago, was about gratitude. And it sounds, what you just said, Lily, about your yesterday, mm-hmm. you had gratitude somewhere in your heart and your consciousness to know, oh, I, at least I have a car that can break down and need a battery. Absolutely. <laughs> at least I'm healthy enough to give blood. I always tell people that when they say, why do you give blood? I actually give blood because my grandma gave, she's AB negative, so she's, you know, this really rare blood type. I'm B positive, (laughs) to no one's surprise. (laughs) You're so B positive. (laughs) And, um, but she used to give blood and then she's not able to. And so I told her for her birthday one year, I'll give blood for you because you, you can't. And so unfortunately I'm, I, you know, I've been <laughs> vegetarian for like <laughs> almost 15 years, so I'm a really bad blood giver. I have to like iron load and then plan, but um, I give blood because I, I really do feel so grateful that I'm so healthy and that mm-hmm. I've, I almost feel like it's a gift that I love being mm-hmm. healthy. And so it's something that I feel like I can, like, this is cocky, but whoever gets my blood is lucking out. I have my algae yeah. and my superfood mushrooms and, you know, all these things. And mm-hmm. um, and actually the guest we had in our previous episode, Gerard, um, he was – we were emailing back and forth specifically about gratitude and how – how important that is in every single little thing. You know, I think it really is the silver lining. And if you can mm-hmm. find something that you're grateful for in a situation, then then you have an opportunity to learn mm-hmm. versus just dwell in all of the negativity. And I, I really do think this maybe sounds so woo woo, but I really do think that negativity hurts your cellular makeup. Like oh, you said, it, like it does. Definitely. Oh, definitely. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it does. So is there, um, some regular practice that you have around gratitude or you just uh, use it when it pops up? <laughs> it it, it needs to be your your chosen um, conscious level. Like a baseline almost. Mm-hmm. And so like I, I mentioned earlier, we have a subconscious, which is learned behavior. It's, it's, it's things that sometimes we don't even realize it's there. But conscious thought can always override any subconscious tendency. The example would be we live with a person or a neighbor or something's going on and immediately we see them or, or we're triggered and the subconscious sets in and irritation shows up. Consciously, when we are choosing and, and paying attention, uh, we can we can get that thought and go, whoa, all right, I'm grateful that I noticed. If it's can be that simple, I am grateful mm-hmm. that I noticed. That's beautiful. That and I'm mad. That sort of like benefits <laughs> your noticing practice and your mm-hmm. gratitude practice. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. These are good tips, yeah. listening audience. I know, these are awesome <laughs> tips. I, I really like, I'm kind of new to thinking about what my unconscious um, goals are because I was doing the coaching that Donna teaches and there's a a block, I'm not sure what you call the unit, but a topic that you do, which is underlying commitments. Mm -hmm. And I realized how deep my underlying commitments to you know, self-sabotage basically (laughs) were. And as soon as I confronted those and sort of worked through them and really dug them out of my heart, then so many aspects of my life just skyrocketed in the directions that I I 
wanted. But I didn't realize that I had a lot of wounds that were really just loving this underlying commitment that I had to not um, serving myself as high and as best as I could. Yeah, that's the thing. It will take over and become the driver if you aren't conscious about it. Yeah. And to go back to noticing and choice, I think it's so important if you're seeing these trends, you know, for example, for me, I'll, I'll use myself an example, um, you know, out of accountability, I was noticing, gosh, I'm really self-sabotaging myself with these jobs that I get into. I have these underpaid, really poor jobs that don't use my skill set or my creativity. And then I, you know, had to very truthfully confront that I wasn't valuing myself and my own creativity. And I was putting that on the back burner because, you know, I had this weird belief built up that from all the people who, you know, looked down at me with my liberal arts degree while I was scooping ice cream, like nothing, you know, you'll never <laughs> add up to anything. Um, and but I, who was thinking that? Truly. Oh, yeah, right, but it was exactly. really me. And, and I had to, you know, each day choose to, you know, remind myself what a fucking badass I am for being here and keeping going. And one of the mantras that I got out of that unit of study was this moment, this thing that I'm doing is hard, but I've done things that are harder. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, kind of keep reminding myself that um, when those thoughts of doubt come into my mind. Yeah, I was coaching somebody today who was having difficulty um, thinking about what she's doing in the next week or so. And she was having all kinds of issues like, I'm not good enough. You know, that is the thing that runs mm, us, right? Not I'm not worthy. good enough. I'm not worthy. And she finally came to the conclusion that, you know, yeah, you know, I have done things. I went through a difficult program and and I graduated and now and I took my boards and I passed it. it may have taken me twice to do it but I did it to realize that you have done the hard thing mm. and I think sometimes we quantify things that are our society say are hard you know for example I ran a marathon and when people hear that they're like that's really hard and it didn't really seem hard because when you're doing it you chip away a little bit at a time but I think we need to think about what in our life was really hard you know healing your heart and healing your wounds are really hard work it mm-hmm. takes every bit of physical and mental energy I lost my favorite person in the world that's fucking hard mm-hmm. and that you know we have to sort of value those things in our life as being the hard things and not you know, I think we just have sort of a messed up value system with accomplishment and realize that when you take time to heal yourself, that's the hard stuff. Mm. And you've and if you've done that, and most people have in some small way, then you're going to be just fine. Mm. Yeah. So what is, what, what are your thoughts on meditation? I have had the, um, the honor of coming to your beautiful home and I've seen your wonderful office and your sacred space mm-hmm. and know that you probably do take some time to meditate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, not as much as I'd like. Ah. I honest days when I can go up there and spend 30 plus minutes. Awesome. But any minute I can sit any minute two minutes, five minutes. Right, it doesn't matter. It mm. changes yes. your mindset. Changes everything. Yeah. It's But it's everything you do. When I leave that beautiful office, which I love, and I specifically keep it like as pristine as I can, when some days I'll go in there and say, oh gosh, I'm studying too much and there's papers everywhere and put them aside. I need my space clean and and feeling uh, healthy, that space. So if I can even go in for three minutes and leave and then remember the breath I had when I was in there is the breath I take out in the world, mm. in my car, before I start my car, when I back out in the neighbor's cars, there's too many of them on the street. And don't they know they're not supposed to do that? <laughs> really? <laughs> That's a first thought. But to have the moments and take those moments with you and recall them and notice them. Notice the good. 
Notice the good. Mm. I like that. Yeah. I think that um, finding time to breathe consciously is a good first step to meditating. I'm really struggling with meditating. It's something I have a hard time with. Um, I'm working on it. <laughs> but uh, the small Stop working. <laughs> oh, <laughs> there's some good advice. Start breathing. Yeah. So, well, that's kind of my um, – what I've been doing is well, I have a, luckily a pretty short commute to work. It's only about 10 minutes. But um, my new commitment is to breathe really deeply and consciously while I drive to work versus – thinking about what I'm going to do there or like, oh, did I leave the dogs enough food or, you know, whatever, um, wherever my mind is going, just breathing really consciously. And I think, at least for me, probably most people, if you're working on that breathing part and the getting a little bit conscious in the moment part while you're doing something relatively mindless, I think that's a good first step because it's like part of my brain, the part of my brain that's making grocery lists and whatever, it has to focus on driving. You got to keep that going. (laughs) Um, So if you can allocate a little bit of brain power to just really focus on the breathing and clear off sort of the like task oriented brain or the distracty brain, then you you can buy yourself a few moments of quiet. Um, So that's kind of the like step point five that I've taken um, recently. And it sounds like that's, I can kind of continue doing that. um, Even if I do get to a point where I can just sit quietly and meditate and not (laughs) freak out the entire time. How about when I believe in affirmations and intentions. So when When, we say, if I can, I would change that to when When. I do. Mm. So you're changing the statement that you're making about yourself or another, and it matters. It does change the the train in your brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's true. That's worry a good train. <laughs> no worry train. No worry train. <laughs> we we gotta get on board. <laughs> Not the worry train. The other train. Love train. When yeah. <laughs> I don't know that song, but there is a love train. You don't know the love love train. train. Get on board. No, I don't know that song. Well, one of the things that I know works for me is singing. Mm -hmm. And um, Melanie, you have been a great, great supporter of our band, the Texas Lovebirds. And yeah, performing at your home the other evening was just so awesome. And I'm very, very grateful for the opportunity to sing at at the center anytime. And Donna noticed, my best friend, Donna, who's also in the band, noticed the other night when we were singing, she says, I, I just look over and I see you smiling. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm so joyful when you sing. I cannot help it. And so that is a form of meditation for me yes. and mindfulness, really. Mm. I think there are so many different kinds, you know, being out in nature. A lot of people say, oh, that's my church, you know, being out in nature Mm -hmm. and walking the dog. And we've just, we just want to bring mindfulness to what it is we're doing, Mm -hmm. I think. Dishes. Dishes. Dishes Dishes can be very soothing. Yeah. Ironing. I love to iron. Everybody thinks I'm crazy. That's good to know. I'm glad we live close by. Yes, to bring it over. (laughs) Mopping floors. I actually love cleaning my floors, too. Yeah, I think there's something very meditative about cleaning, like, the sweep and then the vacuum and the mop and getting the baseboards. Sounds like you're also a pet mom, so you know that Mm -hmm. it's sort of a, like, constant cycle of, Mm -hmm. of hair cleaning, hair cleaning. Yeah, it's <laughs> but it feels good when it's done. Mm-hmm. But like the that. gratitude is so key in all of it. The noticing and then being grateful for even what's wrong, what, what seems wrong to us in our divine human beingness brains when we say that is just messed up. Oh, I'm grateful that I probably wouldn't do something that way. Mm. Mm. That's great. Yeah. There's a a story, and I think it's in one of Debbie Ford's books where, and it's probably been told many, many times, but I'm not going to tell it very well about a a farmer. Okay, cancel. 
Oh, start okay. over. Start over. Tell okay. this beautiful I'm story. I'm going to tell this beautiful story, folks. <laughs> yeah, you're folks. an awesome story. You're telling really well. Uh, noticing. Thank you for noticing. Mm-hmm. There's a farmer, and he has a son and a cow, and... Um, you know, and and it happened one day that the son was out there in the field with the cow, and he fell down and he broke his leg. And all the neighbors are, you know, coming over and saying, "Oh, I'm so sorry. You know, this happened to your son. You know, this is really bad." And the farmer looks at them and says, "Well, maybe." And then the the soldiers come around and and they take all of the sons from the other farmers away because war has broken out. And they go to the farmer and say, you're so lucky, it's so good that your son has a broken leg because he can't go. And the farmer says, maybe. (laughs) And and, you know, the story keeps going on Mm -hmm. like that where Mm -hmm. you don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I have a follow-up question just sort of to play devil's advocate, and I kind of want you guys both to answer. So what is the difference between being grateful and finding positivity and gems in each situation and apathy? Wow. That's a – yep. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I think I – would know how I would answer it, but I I'm curious to hear you guys. So apathy being we apathy just being don't care, just like head in the sand, head in the sand, head in the sand, or just you know, I, Dad and I's favorite movie is Zardoz, yes. and there's the apathetics who just walk around with this glazed look on their face, and Sean Connery makes out with one of them, and they she doesn't even care. <laughs> She's so apathetic. Um, <laughs> and they never make out with Sean Connery. <laughs> Especially in the outfit he's wearing in this yeah, movie, right, but I digress. <laughs> but, but the positivity being like, are you referring to it as Pollyanna-ish, and, and that's having your head in the sand as well? Perhaps it could, yeah, Sure. Mm. Devil's advocate. Yes. I see. (laughs) Well, I think that it can be having your head in the sand. But I think if you are conscious and you have made a choice to be positive and be grateful, then it's not about burying your head in the sand. I think it's about having made a choice mm-hmm. and knowing, of course, that life happens. We've both, I'm sure all three of us have had life-altering, devastating things that have happened to us. And you have to feel the feelings. I, I think that's one thing that we don't do very well in our society and maybe as, you know, a, a, a human beings but we don't feel the feelings but then at some point we have to make a choice as to whether or not we want those feelings to to drag us down or or you know be the final word in who we want to be I don't want to be an apathetic person so I will make a clear choice about being positive and staying, um, you know, in that space of choice. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I go to cause and effect. Ah, of Something happens. We can make a new effect um, or, or just be apathetic and say, well, phew, this, I had no choice. This, there's nothing I can do about this. This is absolutely horrible. And from now on, my life will not be good. Or we can notice what we're doing and or what we're thinking or how we're responding and how we're going forward from that. I had a mom. I had a mom. I still have a mom. Her um, husband died after having, they had three kids. I was 11 months. He went away in, uh, he was in the war, not in the war, but anyways, he was a test pilot. So he's gone. She has three kids. That could be devastating. What does she do? She thinks, oh, good thing I have these three kids. I don't know how many years I got to hear that. It was a good thing I had you three kids. I was like, ugh, 
Really? And another person could think completely the opposite. Mm -hmm. Oh, they're dragging me down. So you and so I guess you could say so I had a good role model. However, I believe that we all have role models and we all have choices and a lot of us have role models that aren't so pleasant. I think everyone has role models or people they see or experience or are close to that don't respond right rightly as we would think i once had a teacher who said you will learn the most from the individual who you disapprove of how they respond to things you will learn from that person mm. even more than when you learn from someone who responds um, in a positive way but the gratitude comes in when it, again, I go to that word noticing, when we're paying attention consciously, when we're truly going, wow, that was an unkind thing, that was a, a disrespectful thing, that was a horrific, sad, I mean, example would be a war. My goodness, where is the gratitude? Where can you find gratitude in that? There is truth back of the horrors. There is something good. There's the human condition and the human nature that shows up every time there's a tragedy, every time, when we're paying attention and when we're noticing, when we're slowing down and, and, uh, and, and truly looking for what is good. As a coach, um, one of the concepts that we've studied is a negative bias. Human beings have this negative yes. bias. And if 10 things happen during the course of the day and nine of them were great, what's the one you're going to pay attention mm -hmm. to, the one that wasn't so great? Mm -hmm. And so my question is, how would you – is it a retraining of your brain? Is that what it is? Yes, it's absolutely a conscious choice. And it, 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 it takes, I would say, for some people it is meditation, for Thich Nhat Hanh, for, you mm -hmm. know, the Buddha, for maybe even Ernest Holmes, I, for, I don't really know. I've read many books about his life uh, story, but I don't know that he was a meditator. What works for you to bring you into your divinity, to your truth as, a, as just a flower, a snowflake. We are we are these cellular beings that we think that our body is all there is, and our mind is all there is, and our our choices and our decisions and our <laughs> you know things that are we're hurt by. That is not all there is. All there is is something greater than we are. It's a power that greater than we are, and it the back of it is always positive. You look at a sidewalk the weeds on the sidewalk where, where there's a crack in the sidewalk there's something growing out of it it wants to grow it want we want to be creative we are a weed we are a snowflake we are part of that creative force of the universe and there's goodness there if if there's goodness there when, when. <laughs> when we're noticing, when we're paying attention. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I it's not, that. I, I say this often on Sunday, yes. on whenever. Yes. I say it often at home to my cat and dog. <laughs> but Lucky you, cat and dog. It's a, it's a simple idea. It's simple to say, yeah, yeah. It's Pollyanna maybe mm -hmm. to say, well, something good will come from this. Life is a bowl of cherries. Or a chair of bullies. <laughs> it's a simple thing. But what's easy? Hmm. It becomes easy with regular Your spiritual <laughs> practice. <laughs> Whatever that means to you. Yeah. Walking a dog, driving your car with a pleasant attitude. Mm -hmm. Breathing as you drive your car. Please and thank you. <laughs> if more people did that, we'd have fewer accidents. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, so I guess this is also kind of a question for both of you guys. What are some tools or practices that you have when you feel really challenged 
by a person. There's someone in your life who's really testing your regular spiritual practice or your <laughs> your optimism or your gratitude. Apart from finding gratitude in the challenge and the opportunity to grow, what are some practical skills or tools you have? You well, want to take this one? <laughs> I, I do. Well, first of all, I do. It's I, I go straight to this is so not about me. And it seems cliche. Maybe. It is never about our ego. Uh. It's so edging God out. Ego. Mm. So when we're, or God, or spiritual, or edging our... Um, our goodness, our love, our the essence of our beautifulness. When we are blaming another person or seeing something that is hurtful, uh, one of the f- greatest things a teacher taught me once was set your boundaries. Just set your boundaries. Like what's just a, what's <laughs> a boundary? <laughs> what's a boundary? <laughs> Why do I need a boundary? I'm free and open, and everyone loves me. No. Or, yes, when we love ourselves enough, which may take several lifetimes, but when we truly do know that we're acting and speaking and being and relating from a point of love with the best information that we have at the time that we're doing it, then that's all we can do. And to do that really easy thing of simply let them go mm-hmm. let go and let spirit or let peace take over mm-hmm. well one of the things that I do and believe it or not I, I know I, I have a particular political bent and <laughs> one you. of the one of Shock. the things I have difficulty with are some of the um, people who are running this country <laughs> and truly I mean, if I am to live in my heart and be the person that I really and truly want to be and know that I am, then I have to love that person as much as I do anyone. Oh, Melanie's clapping. She's very happy. (laughs) (laughs) And so one of my practices is Ho'oponopono. And okay, wait, say that word again. Ho'oponopono. Okay. It's a Hawaiian practice. Wow, I this, this is brand new. Is it? This oh, is I'm, a brand new baby practice it. for me. How exciting <laughs> to be able to bring that to you, Lily. It, it's, it's a very simple practice. And when I find myself, and it happens a lot, all uptight and and angry and upset, I'll take my deep breath and I will... Send Ho'oponopono to whomever the target is. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And basically it says, I love you. Please forgive me. Mm. Thank you. And I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Right? That's That's it. Yes. Yeah. And, And I repeat it over and over again. And really it's, it's, I love you. I love myself. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. I love you as much as I love myself. And, you know, please forgive me. Please forgive me for holding on to this anger. You know, and and I'm sorry for um, disrespecting you. You know, I'm sorry for the hate that I have hurled toward you. (laughs) You know, and uh, the last one is, well, well, I forgot which one I haven't stated yet. I love you. Please forgive me. I'm sorry. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for showing me. Yes. Thank you for showing me me. And you can say any of those in any order Mm -hmm. that you want to. But you just say it over Mm -hmm. and over again and setting it out there. I love that. It sounds a little bit like, I I believe it's called Franciscan meditation. Have you Mm -hmm. heard of that? Yeah. I learned about it from Mary Carr, as I learned about most things from writers. (laughs) And um, she talks about it a lot in one of her books. I can't remember which one. Um, but basically, it's a practice, it's a meditation where you try to find God in every person mm-hmm. who you meet. And I used to do it when I worked in food service. 
it's hard and you get a lot of kind of you get other people trying to put their baggage on you and I days where I felt really successful at that when I could really see everyone and see the light in them and the God in them oh man you feel so energized after that because you're it's like you're just aligning with all of their goodness and you're getting all this goodness put back into you all day long and yeah those are really good I think the Hindu tradition has it's just nam it's a one word namaste Namaste. you know when we say it at in yoga those of us who do yoga in namaste it really basically is means the spirit in me or the god in me or the truth in me or the love in me or the peace in me sees it in you Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so when i drive uh, I won't say, can I say the freeway that's really bad here? <laughs> Sometimes if, if, which I avoid completely, but when I'm on it, if it's if I find myself frustrated, namaste on your journey. <laughs> but I really want to say journey at the patishkaba. Yeah, right, right. But you just drop it there. And yeah. and then you, you practice it over time. It really, then you can say, oh, namaste for me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And they are simple practices, but we mm-hmm. we have to remember to do them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and sometimes I fall down in that particular arena and Lily, your dad is very good to remind me, you know, in a very gentle way to remember, oh yes, that person is just as um loving and wonderful as you are. <laughs> you know, so it helps too to have somebody in your life that that uh, supports you in that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I would say sort of the companion comment to finding your gratitude and noticing what might ruffle your feathers a little bit with people who are challenging mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is surrounding yourself with people who really feed you mm-hmm. and ignite your fire and uh, honor the flame mm-hmm. in you too. Mm-hmm. Well, really, that's why I continue to go to the center Mm -hmm. because I am fed every week. And the message is always there just for me. (laughs) I'm pretty Mm -hmm. sure of it. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's for me. No, it's for you. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) No, I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. Well, is there anything else that you want to share with us tonight? Mm, I said the gratitude thing, which is super important. Yeah. And I think not. I'm well, gratitude for both of you. Oh, and for this um, mindfulness, mindfulness is <laughs> very cool. And we I'm, feel very blessed. We do. Mm. We've been wanting to have you on the show for many, many moons. Yes. So thanks oh, for thank taking you. time out of your evening and taking time out of your week every week to bring us incredible um talks on sunday we i mean they yeah they do keep me going they do feed me and is there um a website for the center yes uh csl.org csl oh sorry (gasps) csl ctx ctx central texas right Mm -hmm. our Parents, our parents are csl.org. <laughs> oh, okay. And we are at the TX. Yeah. And there's um, the Central Texas, probably all of them, but have a great Facebook page where mm-hmm. they do a live feed of the um, of the talk of the talks on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So that's how I've been going to church <laughs> because I'm working <laughs> for the next um, couple of Sundays. So that's an awesome way to tune in if you're not in the Austin area, but you want to see what we we probably mention it almost every episode. I think we do. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. And it's at 11 a.m. Central Time. 10 and then 11. 10 and then 11. Yeah. And you can always send us messages and if, reach out to us and we'll reach right on back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're good at that.
All right, so at the end of our shows, we always give a little coaching, uh, fun work. <laughs> uh, An assignment? Yeah, mm-hmm. I homework. Like <laughs> yeah, so, and, and Lily uh, brings a writing exercise to our listening audience as well. So this week, I think for um, the coaching exercise, I would love to have people um, come up with their um, their practice. We've talked a lot about different things that um, will be helpful (laughs) in getting to that place of calm, that inner peace, that mindfulness, that everyday mindfulness. So whether it's washing the dishes or it's sitting for 30 minutes or two minutes meditating, come up with that practice for yourself and you know we have a website as well and you can you can let us know Mm -hmm. on our website what it is what's your practice what are you doing and this week I think I'm going to take on some more Ho'oponopono that's great Um, mine is pretty simple but um, I would say just a few points during your week I don't need a specific number Um, write down what you're noticing and, and I feel like if you can kind of challenge yourself each time a little more, give yourself a number that feels easy. I'm going to say three times, write something down at the end of the day that you noticed and try each time to just dive a little deeper with something that you noticed that was really usually off your radar. It's hard to not do that solipsistically, but, um, <laughs> and then I just wanted to kind of do a quick, um, addendum to this, I guess, or not addendum, but. Uh, coda of, um, you know, one of our missions with mindfulness, mindfulness was to encourage people to not be intimidated by mindfulness. So I really do want to stress that if the idea of meditation has you quaking in your boots right now, or tuning into two hours of, of regular spiritual practice just seems a little bit too scary, lean into the scariness and maybe explore that. Notice why that's coming up, but also just do exactly what Melanie talks about a lot, which is find moments in your life where you can spare a little bit of mindfulness and just start there. And I I promise that that will become easier. And just each time that you practice and each time that you turn a new cycle in that, it gets a little easier and a little easier. Not to say that, you know, it's not linear, but um, it'll be a little bit better in your heart. Mm-hmm. Well, and where can people find us? So our website that Donna mentioned is mindfulnessmindfulness.com. So there are three S's in the middle <laughs> of that URL. And of course, you can find us on mindful underscore mindful, uh, which is our Instagram, or just search mindfulness, mindfulness on Instagram. And um, of course, you can listen to the podcast pretty much everywhere. I just put the podcast on the Himalaya app too, which is a really fun podcast app. So if you haven't checked that out yet, I recommend that. Well, thank you all for listening in. And we wish you a gratitude-filled week. And remember, don't take it all too seriously. Seriously.